Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. It is Friday, the 21st of October. All right, it's Friday, so we're going to have the Friday Farm Report. And the Friday Farm Report is something that uh, happened not geographically on the farm, but is, in my view, farm-related. So Jim, my sweet husband, has been in Colorado for an elk hunt, and um, the hunt technically ended yesterday, which meant, you know, if you were going to get an elk, you needed to put him on the ground, uh, you know, yeah, by then. Well, um, it was a hard hunt. He he put 11 miles in one day, an average of five miles a day during the week-long hunt. And um, here's the good news. Elk down, elk down. I know. For those of you who aren't wild game eaters, this is not exciting. But for those of us who... Um, appreciate that God supplies um, not only seed for the sower, but, right, meat to eat as well. Um, My husband is a happy man today, exhausted but happy. So there you go. Um, In other farming news in New Zealand, because, you know, anytime I can give a farm report from somewhere else, uh, I I like to do so because I I love me a farmer, man. I just uh, thank you if you're if you're out there right now and uh, and you're a farmer. Oh, my link is bad. Here we go. I got I to gotta look up New Zealand. Here's what you would be typing in. New Zealand farmers. All right. New Zealand farmers have hit the streets to protest what? I don't know. Am I allowed to say fart on air? There's like a fart tax for cows in New Zealand. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word, but I just did. So let me apologize um, if it's on the naughty list for words. Um, but farmers across New Zealand are have taken to the streets on their tractors, which is my favorite part of the story, maybe, protesting um, government plans to tax other, uh, to tax greenhouse gas emissions from cows. <laughs> That's the nice way of saying it. So apparently uh, cows, when they burp, which obviously they do a lot because they have lots of stomachs and there's a lot going on in there when they're processing um, their food, um, and they um, emit Uh, greenhouse gas emissions from the other end as well. It's called methane. So methane from burping cows um, is apparently, you know, a big contributor to global greenhouse gases. And so New Zealand is planning to tax every head of cattle. Mm -hmm. Now, to be be clear, farmers pretty much single-handedly kept the economy going during COVID-19 lockdowns. Um, We owe them a lot, Uh, but they are, uh, part of the plan is to reduce methane emissions um, over the years. And so how are they going to do that? Well, they got to eliminate the number of head of cattle there are. Like, that's that's how you do that. Um, and, I mean, and I guess unless you're going to start feeding them some kind of diet through which they don't produce as much methane. So there you go. There's a science project for you. If, you, if your kid was looking for, um, you know, a science fair project, is there a diet that you could feed to your cattle that would produce less methane? Because... 
that let me tell you right there that that's a cash uh that's a that's a winner. That's a winner right there. Um, all right. Don't bite the hand that feeds you is the lesson uh, related there. And uh, next up, Adam Holtz, who is, I'm sure, going to bring us much more serious headlines. No, no, no. He and I are going to talk media. We're going to talk about what's on the big screen, some things that are on the small screen, and some developments in the media landscape. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Oh, I've got them going now, Adam. Good morning, my friend. Welcome. Oh, man. I, I thought you uh, you left the obvious pun um, un, uh, un, un, uh, unspoken. The, what, the cash what was cow. it? I thought <gasps> you were going to say that, that, you know, the methane, the anti-methane plan would be a real cash cow. But uh, you didn't. You know, and uh, I will just say because I'm a news hawk and I read constantly – at least headlines. This is uh, certainly not limited to New Zealand. There is <laughs> tantamount to a crusade <laughs> happening in Europe yeah. and in Great Britain to eliminate meat eating. So you can add eating meat to the list of progressive causes that like, you know, buying an electric car. This one, it's not, I mean, it sounds funny to tell a story about you know, cow flatulence. I won't use that other word that you Oh, used. no, but it's super uh, serious for farmers. But it's, no, it's, I mean, I, I come from a family of cattle farmers and this is coming. They are coming for the cattle. They want us to eat bugs. And I know I sound like some crazy been too far down the right wing rabbit hole conspiracy theorist, but there is a huge conversation about alternate sources of protein uh, and it's coming. So, just know that meat is going to continue to get more expensive because they're putting pressure on it. Anyway, this is not my bailiwick, so, but I, I had to respond. No. So, so here you go. So there's a delicacy, considered a delicacy in Africa called Mbewe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a bug, right? And that's mice on a stick. Oh, yeah. Well, at least mm-hmm. it's meat. I mean, at well, least so, you're this not is, eating I, chocolate-covered termites or something. Mm, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I have held me a stick of Mbewe, and I got to tell you, I'm not putting that in my mouth. There you go. Okay, yeah. um, on to other things. You have some movie yes. reviews for us that we don't want to miss. First of all, we do. Um, let's talk about Till, and yeah, you guys can find can find all these reviews at PluggedIn.com. Let's talk about Till. This is a movie that's in theaters. It is the kind of movie that won't be in theaters very long, but it is a biopic about Emmett Till. Now, I knew that Emmett Till was an important figure in the civil rights movement. I knew that he was, uh, you know, murdered in the South somewhere. Honestly, that is about where my knowledge of Emmett Till came to a screeching halt. Um, But this movie tells his story. Uh, He is a 14-year-old boy, a 14-year-old boy from Chicago who goes to... uh, to visit some relatives in Mississippi and his mom tries to help him understand that you have to be careful with what you say or you end up in trouble. But, you know, he said the wrong thing to a woman who accuses him then of saying and doing other inappropriate things. And he is beaten and, and hung. 
Um, and he becomes really one of the, the most important sort of symbolic uh, victims of racism early in the civil rights movement. And this is really a movie that is about his mother and how she responds to this and how it galvanizes her into a warrior. I mean, there's really no other word for it. Um, so this is a hard story, um, but I think that it's one that really does justice to what happened. And if you're not familiar with it, and, um, you know, maybe, <clears throat> especially if you've got older teens, I think movies like these can be conversation starters about things that have happened relatively recently in our history that might seem like a long time ago, but obviously we're still having an incredibly important conversation about racism in our culture. Uh, and this is a well done movie. Okay. So um, let's talk about black Adam. I actually have some friends who are planning to go see it. What should they expect? They should expect a lot of violence. Um, mm. This is Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Um, it's an incredibly convoluted plot in the DC comics universe. Black Adam was one of Shazam's chief enemies. He was a bad guy in the comics. Here, he is more of an anti-hero. Um, he gets in trouble early on, 5,000 years ago is when this story starts. Um, and he, uh, he basically unleashes his power against a really bad guy named Sabak, who's demonic and has a demon-powered crown. But here's where he's not so heroic. Instead of, you know, locking him up in handcuffs handcuffs, and, you know, carting them off to the Phantom Zone or whatever they do with criminals in DC Comics, uh, he just kills him. And he has a habit of just killing people who are his enemies. And he gets locked up uh, by his overseers who decide he's too dangerous to have around. Well, 5,000 years later, this uh, demonic crown surfaces again. Bad people get it. And there's a woman who knows that he is still in prison and she releases him. And wouldn't you know it, he just starts slaughtering bad guys again. And that brings in the Justice Society, not the Justice League. Um, and it's also not the Justice Society of America anymore, which is what it was in the comics. It's just the Justice Society. We got rid of America. Um, and it's led by Hawkman and some other heroes that you've never heard of. And they confront him about you know, if you're going to be a hero, you can't just incinerate people. Uh, but that's sort of where we're at here. There's a lot of incineration. It's a pretty shallow story. This movie originally got an R rating for violence. So, um, yeah, uh, Dwayne kills a whole bunch of people. And a lot of those those uh, scenes are actually played for laughs. So that's what you can mm. expect here. A lot of explosions and a lot of people incineration. Mm. Yeah, probably not seeing that. All right, we're going to continue our conversation uh, here in just a moment from Adam Holtz. Uh, he works with Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can find what we're talking about at PluggedIn.com and lots of other resources. Um, you know me, if I see in a headline that somebody is publicly thanking God, then I'm wondering, is that genuine? Um, did the co-founder and chairman of Netflix really publicly thank God? And is he really being thankful to God? What's going on there? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. 
com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Joy still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the if you're still alive and breathing. All right, we got a lot of people, first and foremost, actually, President Joe Biden, who make public use of an appeal to God when they're trying to state something emphatically. So you will hear, for God's sake, or my God, man, or those kinds of statements um, from people in positions of public leadership. And uh, and most recently, we have the co-founder of Netflix, you know, starting an emphatic statement by, you know, saying, thank God. And so, of course, I am asking a rhetorical question here, but we're going to have a, a larger conversation. Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In. I mean, does this seem like a genuine statement of faith, thanking God, or does this seem like using God's name to emphasize a point? Well, I think it's a colloquial um, leftover from a bygone era. And in in this case, Reed Hastings, who's the chairman, uh, exclaimed, thank God we're done with shrinking quarters because Netflix actually grew by, you know, more than expected in the third quarter. Um, and attracted more new users than was expected. And so it's a saying, right? I mean, Reed Hastings is not really thanking God. He's not thinking about God. He's not acknowledging God's existence. He's just using a phrase that uh, once upon a time in our culture probably had more meaning than it does now. Uh, and, And I think really that sort of usage, um, without, you know, climbing on my Pharisee throne, that constitutes, I think, a, a vain usage of God's name because uh, it's not serious. And I, yes, I am pronouncing judgment there, so you can yeah, just no. roll so, with that or not. Well, so me too. So me too. Like, right? I'm, um, there's no question that my um, first commandment uh, alert goes goes totally crazy. Or you know, and using not just taking God's name in vain, but actually like honoring God's name. I mean, I yeah. I actually have the same reaction when people um, use OMG um, no, as a, a it's a misuse as of a, God's name. Yeah, and so again, I don't want to sound like a crazy Pharisee either, but I am aware of it and I'm alert to it. And so what I do, Adam, when I see it, I just acknowledge it before the Lord. I just say to the Lord, "Look, I see that." I, I see that that is a misuse, a misappropriation of your name. I want to honor you. I want to acknowledge that, you know, that you may be offended by that. Um, I'm, I am feeling that on your behalf, and I want to, you know, keep your name as holy. So protect me, Lord, from, from going and doing likewise. Like, just protect me from that. Pro- protect me from falling into, um, you know, any kind of cultural appropriation of your name or your character, your attributes, your ways. Um, and so I turn it more in upon myself, recognizing that in the moment is not the time to look at the person and say, hey, I think you're taking the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> right. No, that's that's right. And I, I like what you're talking about there because our culture has a way of numbing us. Um, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And I think that whole idea of evil is, you know, Paul's not talking about serial killers and dictators. He's talking about a system of thinking that is fundamentally opposed to God's revealed truth. And so we can be influenced by that system in big ways, in small ways, and we can just get numb to the little things. And so I think asking God help us, and in fact, that's not a little thing, right? I mean, even right there, the way I talked about it perhaps proves my point that um, we were influenced by the world and we need to be in God's word and be before him humbly asking for his help to counter the way the world naturally influences us if we're not doing those things. Hey, Ephesians 5, what are the verses you read again? People are going to want to 15 through 17. Yeah, so good. So good. Um, all right. So um, I am getting a lot of pitches in in lots of my social media, lots of pitches from um, Angel Studios to join them in funding things. So it's actually like yeah. angel funding. It's a crowdfunding thing. I think I'm in it because I helped fund the Wing Feather series or the Wing Feather saga. Okay. And so like now yeah. I'm in it or maybe because I participated in the funding for The Chosen. But now, you know, would I fund something called Testament? Would I fund something called David? Um, and so talk right. with us a little bit about what's going on here. Well, obviously, The Chosen has been um, a paradigm-breaking way to think about how you fund these big entertainment properties, whether it's a television show or a movie. They're incredibly expensive. The average movie these days costs $40 million to make. That's the average. Um, and so for believers, for people of faith who want to create something, they immediately run into a funding roadblock. Um, and so The Chosen has been wildly successful in asking people to participate and to have a part in making it possible. And so now Angel Studios, which um, is of which Chosen is a part, they do what we always do and ho- what Hollywood always does is, okay, that was successful, let's try it again. And so if you go to invest.angel.com, you'll see a whole bunch of other things that you could potentially invest in or express interest in investing in. Um, And I think it's a really interesting model. I find myself, uh, I hear my dad in the back of my head saying, well, just because the first one was super successful doesn't mean the next one is going to be. Um, I suspect that there is a law of diminishing marginal returns to pull Uh, in economics phrase out where, you know, there's going to be a drop off, I think, in terms of success here. But I do think it's an easy way and an interesting way to vote with with your dollars, quite literally funding things that uh, that look interesting to you. So, uh, you know, I'm sort of on both sides of that fence. I think it's it's kind of a cool development. I also think it's kind of trendy and like all trends, it will probably run its course. Yeah, totally, 100% agree. Um, all right. Hey, thank you so much. I do think that the Wing Feather saga, um, like, I think the premiere is going to be, like, in November. And yeah. because I went on to Fandango and did so yesterday, I actually know that you can buy tickets to see The Chosen um, in theaters the week, yeah. uh, like, before Thanksgiving, I think is when it, it drops, like, the whatever that Friday is, like, the maybe it's the 18th, something like that. Um, something we're going like to go that. see it um, on 
Saturday the 19th as a family. So there you go. And you can get really good seats right now because apparently a lot of people don't know the tickets are already available. There you go. Go see The Chosen Season 3. I'm going to. I'm going to. Yeah. All right. Hey, that's Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You guys can check out um, tons of resources. The blog is really great as well. Pluggedin.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. A lot of conversation um, in the culture about the church. I mean, John Stone Street just talked about uh, some of it. Uh, all of the things that people have to say about what the church is doing or not doing and their experience in it um, or their avoidance of it. We also hear lots of uh, you know, testimonies of people deconverting from Christianity or deconstructing their faith. But there are some among us who think, you know what, it's time to build. It's time to build. It's time to shore up the foundations, and it's time to strengthen that which remains in order that we might advance the gospel in the generation uh, into which God has called us. So Trevin Wax, uh, you know him from the Gospel Coalition and as an author, he is hosting a new podcast called Reconstructing Faith. So we're going to talk with Trevin next about you know, hey, when we hear those people uh, talk about deconstructing or deconverting from Christianity, how do we respond and how do we rebuild? What does it mean to reconstruct faith and how do we do it? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Without question, uh, my number one best follow on Twitter, at Trevin Wax. So if you're on Twitter and you're not following Trevin, um, let me encourage you to do so. You can read what he's writing on a regular basis at thegospelcoalition.org. We're looking forward to his next book, which is called The Thrill of Orthodoxy, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But right now, we are going to have Trevin share with us um, this brand new podcast called Reconstructing Faith. Trevin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thanks for that uh, recommendation. It's high praise coming from you. Okay, so seriously, I could just do my show by scrolling your Twitter feed and commenting on what you post. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Like, well, I could, I mean, yeah. Well, I'm glad I don't, I'm, glad but I'm giving I you some inspiration there. Yeah, I love it. Um, All right, so reconstructing faith. We hear a lot about deconstructing faith. We hear a lot about deconverting from Christianity. It feels like reconstructing faith is an answer to that. So talk with us about, you know, sort of the inspiration behind the podcast and what you're seeking to do. Well, I think we've got to have confidence in faith that the church is going to endure. You know, if we believe, if we take Jesus at his word when he said he's going to build his church, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. I think we we recognize, you know, 100 years from now, the church is still going to be around. Uh, yeah. Exactly what it looks like and what, you know, that's up for discussion. But the church is going to be here. And we, we've we been through this season where, you know, there's been, there's just been so much, I mean, almost apocalyptic humiliation and revealing of, of sin and selfishness and oftentimes corruption in the church. I mean, I guess the biggest example would be like the, you know, the, the horrifying uh, scandals of sexual abuse and cover-ups and things. But there's all sorts of areas and where it, we, that we can look at where the church has lost a sense of credibility 
not that we're trying to gain credibility with the world, but because we don't live consistently as Christians a lot of times, or the church has not lived up to, you know, we haven't lived up to our confession of faith. And so I, this this podcast is about, okay, what does it look like to rebuild? To, you know, there's, we, we can tear down a lot of what's wrong and, and we need to do that. We need to 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 get at the root of some of the problems that are that are facing the church but but what does it look like for us to roll up our sleeves and to begin rebuilding i think i think it's easier to tear down than it is to rebuild and i think the our generation the next generation of christians is going to have to 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 move past some of the the problems and scandals that have happened in the past and we're going to have to figure out what does it look like for us to build a healthier uh, more beautiful f- future that that really displays the glory of Jesus. So in um, um, in reconstructing faith, uh, I like that you are helping us to rebuild the foundations. I do think that we have for a couple of generations now been undermining the basic foundations of the church. We've been undermining mm-hmm. the Word of God. We've been undermining the uniqueness of Jesus Christ as the way to salvation. We've been um, undermining undermining the church as uh, as the primary way that God is working in the world. Like we've been undermining some pretty significant foundations. We've undermined the idea that you need to go to church at all. I mean, we've undermined that through sort of the Lone Ranger Christianity approach. So talk with us about the foundations. Um, what does it look like to examine and shore up the foundations? Yeah, well, in um, in the second episode of of the podcast, and this is this is a little bit just just to make sure listeners understand, this is a little more of like a documentary style podcast. So uh, people are comparing it to the rise and fall of Mars Hill uh, in style, in tone, because there's you know there's some music, there's clips from different things happening culturally. There's it's well um, produced. Yeah, it's well, well produced. I, I, I've got to give kudos to the team that's helped on that. They've just done fantastic work in and getting helping me get to the right people and the right interviews. But um, in, in the second episode, we talk about the flood that hit Nashville a few years ago. And one of the, one of the things about that flood it, it, for those that were involved in the, in the reconstruction process for homes is, you know, if, if a flood hits your house, uh, you've got to, you, you basically have to, to remove all the rot from the house, because even if there's not a whole lot of water that gets in the house, the, you know the moisture seeps up through the 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 into the drywall and i mean there's just you've got to take a sledgehammer to some of that stuff and sometimes you got to get the house down to the studs and then rebuild with that you know on that foundation and i use that as an example of where the church is today because i think we're in this moment where we we need to remove the rot and we need to at the same time fortify rather than undermine the foundations and quite frankly i think those who are like I, I think conservative types tend to want to protect the institution and sometimes wind up defending rot. And I think those who see themselves as like progressive types want to purge the institution and they wind up blowing up the foundations, blowing up mm-hmm. the pillars. And what I'm what I'm trying to say with this podcast is no, neither one of those impulses and instincts is going to serve us well in the next generation. We need to do both at the same time. We need to remove the rot and fortify the foundations. And the way we do that is with our Bibles open in front of us, with the global church, the worldwide church speaking into how we see what we how we interpret those scriptures, and then the 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 history of the church behind us, uh, as we lean on the the ancient, you know, 
as, as we lean on the shoulders of those who have come before us and we, we receive the ancient treasures from the past. I love that. I love those images. I love the thought process. Um, in order to rebuild the foundations, I mean, in order to, or strengthen the foundations that remain, like we have to get to the place where we recognize what is foundational. Um, and and I think that, you know, for many of us, Trevin, that means we, we've we got to get back in there on hard conversations about, you know, Christ alone or, yeah. um, you know, all of the ground being sinking sand. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. We got to get into conversations about the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which takes us to the Bible as the word of God. I mean, you say, you know, we're going to restore and rebuild the witness of the church with our Bibles open um, and in conversation and communion with a worldwide church, you know, leaning on the shoulders of the generations who have gone before us, but that opening the Bibles, opening our Bibles and really getting in there, like that is, that is primary, that is foundational. And yet there's a real resistance to doing that together across ideological lines. I think there is. And I think part of it is because the Bible confronts us with our own sin, with our own compromises, with areas that we may be drifting in. Um, I, you know, one of the things, one of the guests that I have in in one of the episodes of this podcast is John Dixon. He's an Australian uh, church leader. He's an, a historian. And I, you know, I asked him, I said, so if we look back throughout history, we see the church in some pretty dark times. You know, I don't, we're not the first generation to, to face some challenging times for the church. Uh, but I asked him, I said, so, you know, what what happens? Like, how does reform start? God, it seems like God raises up people who are going to do the hard work of reforming and renewing the church when there's been a dark season of corruption that's been exposed and whatnot. What what happens? And and John says it's pretty simple, really. He's he he points back to the to the Bible and he says, well, average ordinary Christians and church leaders wind up going back to the Gospels, reading them afresh. And then looking around and at the church and and then realizing, you know, we don't look like this. <laughs> like this, the you know, the the beatitudes don't characterize us. The the, the how we're mm -hmm. the, the Sermon on the Mount is not where, you know, the 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 preaching of the apostles, the the boldness of their witness that 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 that's not that's not characterizing us. And and it's in recognizing that gap between the the beautiful melody of the gospel as it is sung and as we see it sung in scripture. And then recognizing that the, the church is singing pretty off-key, that leads back to this desire to, 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 to display to the world the beauty, the, the tune of the gospel again, the beauty of the melody. Um, you know, Ignatius, uh, one of the, the earliest church fathers, says, you know, in your love, speaking to the church, in your love, Jesus Christ is sung. He is sung. And, and so we've got to recapture that desire, you know, to... to to, to showcase the beauty of Jesus through our common life together and through our common obedience to, to what his word tells us. All right. There's three ways to purify water, boiling, <clears throat> disinfecting, and distilling. And so when you talk about the toxic water um, that we are currently operating in and that, you know, we're called to be purifying agents in the toxic waters, particularly of social media today, um, and you are really good at this. I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight your social media presence, particularly on Twitter, where a lot of these engagements take place. Um, you are uh, not engaging with others in a combative way. You are serving as a purifying agent by posting things that are good. 
Um, and so I want to uh, have you talk about the power of simply being who we're called to be um, in the culture and not not feeling like we constantly have to engage at every moment or at every turn with people who are being combative. Could we do that next? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, so we're, I think... Oh, yep, oh gotta, go ahead. We gotta, I guess we got to take a quick break. We yeah. got to take a little pause. So we're going to continue <laughs> our conversation with Trevin Wax here in just a moment. Among other things, we're talking about his new podcast, Reconstructing Faith. You can find it and everything that Trevin is writing at thegospelcoalition.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Suzy Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Continuing our conversation with Trevin Wax, you can find what he's writing at thegospelcoalition.org. We're talking about his new podcast, Reconstructing Faith. If you have heard a lot about deconstructing faith or people deconverting from Christianity, this is a podcast that addresses those issues and concerns. It focuses on building the Church of Jesus Christ, um, even as you know others are, are are pretty intent on seeking to tear it down. It's a um, it's an experience of renewal of your mind. It's an engagement with the Word of God, and it's a um, very, very well-produced conversation um, in terms of how Trevin is approaching um, deconstruction from different aspects. So Trevin, talk with us about um, like how you do what you do, because I'm just going to use you as a good exemplar of being on social media as a Christian in a way that doesn't, you know, you don't rage, um, you don't, you don't often engage um, that I can tell, like directly with people who are seeking to tear it all down. Instead, you just put good stuff out there. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That's kind of you to to uh, to give me encouragement in that way. I. You know, I don't know that everyone on social media necessarily has the same calling. So, I, you know, there there can be a place for a sense of, you know, going back and forth with people and and contending. I, I would I would say hopefully with good with good arguments rather than quarreling. I think there's a difference between arguing and quarreling. Arguing mm-hmm. is you're you're trying to you're trying to persuade people with the best arguments that you can. You're you're listening carefully. You're responding as carefully as you can to good arguments that are coming at you. You're not attacking the other person. You're you're really trying to to understand and persuade. Uh, quarreling is just where everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and like changing the subject or you know what about this? What about that? Moving into just areas where there's really uh, it's less about the it's less about persuasion and more about performance just basically putting on a show for the people that are watching you know and thinking you're doing the lord's work and doing it i think i think that's a that's a temptation that social media presents and i have felt that temptation at times there was you know it's been probably 7 or 8 years ago now um i was you know engaged in some some pretty ba- heavy back and forth with um uh rachel hell evans and uh, she's a you know was a, a a progressive writer. We we're talking. I can't remember what the subject was about, but uh, she's since uh, uh, passed away. Uh, but she around she's my age, and we're both millennials, and we're both you know we were going back and forth. And I remember like an entire afternoon being taken up with our our sort of this controversy or going back and forth. And I remember just thinking after that weekend, uh, it seemed like all of Rachel's fans and all of my 
fans, so to speak. They're all just, it seemed like we were in the Coliseum duking it out mm-hmm. and they're just sort of cheering us on as like, we're the gladiators. And I was like, and, and you know, Rachel and I had had direct messages too. And the tone is very different when we're talking personally. So I just, I basically, I thought this isn't healthy. This is not healthy. This is not good for me spiritually. I don't think it's actually, we're persuading each other. And I don't think people are reading this or watching this and are being persuaded. And so I, I, I made a something of a commitment. I don't know that I've always kept it, but uh, at that point I said, you know, I'm, if I respond to people who ask questions on Twitter, I'm going to maybe go two replies deep and then, and then stop just because I just don't think in particular Twitter, I think Twitter and, and Facebook comments too, they're, they're, they're set up to reward controversy mm-hmm. to, to get eyeballs on, you know, things that are causing a stir and all the incentives are going away from the fruit of the spirit in that moment. All the incentives are are going away from, from, from becoming a person of substance and instead becoming really, um, you know, a, a, a shallow keyboard warrior, as we might say. And, you know, again, I'm not, not, I can't look into the hearts of people that, that are more combative or that do this better than I possibly can. Uh, but I, I just knew for myself, this, this isn't the way I want to go. And in 10 years, if I keep up this, I'm going to be a different person than if I don't. So, so that's, that's some of the the way that I think about social media is I, I want to continue to put good stuff out there. I want to point people to good stuff, occasionally reply and respond to, to questions that are asked in good faith. Um, you know, there, there are some people that are just, I just don't think they're good faith critics. And so I, I don't know that there's much, uh, benefit in getting into uh, long, lengthy, drawn-out conversations with people who are not really interested in debate, but really just interested in scoring points or shaming you, or you know, or or um, you know, dunking on whatever side they think you're on and things like that. So, I, I you know, I would just encourage listeners if if they're engaging on Facebook and, and Twitter and other places, uh, just really remember the fruit of the spirit. Uh, we don't get a pass from that just because we're on social media, you know, like we've got, we've got to really think not just in what we say, but also how we engage, because that's a reflection of, of, of what we believe about Jesus. Trevin, um, I want to um, give you a couple of minutes here to talk about this most recent thing that you have posted at the Gospel Coalition. Um, will we be solid or will we be ghosts? This is so timely because, you know, Halloween approaches and I want to be solid. Um, I want to be a person with a chest. Um, I I don't want to be ephemeral. So talk with us about um, a world designed for ghosts and really the um, the call for Christians to be cultivating substance. Yeah. So this this came up for me. It's just something I've been thinking about the last couple of months. I'm I'm headed next week to Oxford, where I'm going to be for a couple of weeks. I'm I'm delivering some lectures there, and and also um, doing a conference that's related to C.S. Lewis in Yorkshire and in the UK. And I will there be uh, pudding because that's the first thing people want to know. And will (laughs) there be those little dogs? Like this is you know this is where the mind goes when you say Yorkshire. That's right. I I am waiting to see. I'm waiting mm-hmm. to see. Okay. I've never been there. And I, I, you know, I've got family, like ancestors that came from that mm-hmm. area, but have never been there. But, um, you know, in, in preparing for that conference on C.S. Lewis, it'll be held in Leeds. I, um, I, I read, I reread The Great Divorce, which is a, you know, sort of a Lewis Fantastic. fantasy about, you know, he's kind of painting this dreamlike picture of the afterlife. It's not like a literal picture of the afterlife, but it's a series of encounters with people just outside of heaven. 
And he imagines, you know, the solid people who are basically, they're already in in, in heaven. And, and he contrasts them with the ghosts, those who are kind of in this, it's kind of like a in-between realm, purgatorial realm and whatnot. And they can't take in heaven's light. They're, they're shadows of humanity. They're very transparent. They're translucent. They're superficial in contrast to you know, the high countries, as he, as he describes them. And so what Lewis is trying to say, he's using this fantasy of the afterlife in order to help us understand today. And he's saying, you know, the solid people are truly human. They are what God wants us to be. They're solid because they are selfless. Um, the ghosts are shadows. They, they can't see past themselves. And, and just in thinking about that, I, I, I've just, I've been, I've been convicted because I think in our society, everything is pushing us toward superficiality, triviality, uh, shallowness. Uh, Everything is pushing us to be shadows and ghosts, not truly substantive, not solid. And I, I think we've got to, to look at our lives over the long haul and, and, and think, you know, what is it? What are the practices? What do I need to do every day in order to become more selfless? You know, uh, a, a dangerous prayer that you and your listeners can pray and something that I took on, started praying back in the spring was, Lord, help me to see the ways to die to myself today. Hmm. I tell you, it's a dangerous prayer and I don't always like the answer because God always answers that prayer and I always find it and I, it's always uncomfortable. <laughs> but but I, but that's, I, I think we've got to be on the lookout for ways of becoming less selfish. And I know if I don't, if I'm not doing that intentionally, it's likely not going to happen. Like I, yeah, my, yeah. You know, the, the water, just, yeah, the water yeah. that we swim in is going to influence us if we're not intentional um, about, you know, actually swimming against the current and cultivating uh, what what the culture is not interested in. It's so helpful. All right, we're totally looking forward to the thrill of orthodoxy. Um, you're going to come back in a month or so and share with us on that. Blessings on your travels and your trip. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me again, Carmen. Absolutely. That's Trevin Wax. You can find him at the Gospel Coalition, um, where they've got all, all kinds of ways that you can connect with the new podcast on Reconstructing Faith. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Um, all right, really quickly here, I want you to be praying for Kyla Thurston. Kyla Thurston. Kyla Thurston um, is a woman who lives in D.C. She was savagely attacked on a um, Washington, D.C. metro bus um, by a bunch of what are described as rowdy teenagers. Um, and um, she um, afterwards, you know, thanked the Lord for protecting her. She says, I felt the Lord's presence um, throughout um, this whole incident, uh, even as I recall those kids hitting me and kicking me, I had no defense. Um, they were not only, um, you know, physically abusing her, but um, assaulting her, you know, with their words as well. And no one on the bus came to her aid. And the um, bus driver didn't stop. Like, th- this is like bad news all the way around. But I want you to be praying for her because she's a Christian and she is a sister in Christ. And I am confident God is got great potential here for public witness. I I think Kyla Thurston um, may be a person for such a time as this. So let's start praying for her today. Would you do that? Hey, have a great weekend and God bless. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.